are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. All right. Old Testament. Day 41 and 42. Woo. Second day into, or fourth day, third day into Exodus. Yeah, third, fourth day. Uh, Yeah, so our uh, Old Testament reading is Exodus chapter 6. Verse 13 through chapter 10. We are getting down to the showdown. So we did get to, last time, did we even talk about the plagues? No, we are getting to that. Oh. Yeah, so we're setting up because Moses, uh, oh, interesting. Okay, so Moses has already gone to Pharaoh. Yeah, that's why I got confused. Made his request, and Uh Pharaoh was like, no. That's cute. You need more work. You need more work. The people freak out. Yeah. Uh, instantly question Moses and God. And then Moses then goes before God and is like, what is going on? What are we doing? And God says, look, this is what I'm doing. That's right. Uh, things like Pharaoh is going to disagree with all of this. Right. And I'm going to stretch my hand out. And show my power among the Egyptians. Deliverance, redemption, sanctification. Like, I'm going to marry you and give you the land. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. And then we have this. We jump in and chapter 6, verse 14. It's genealogy because it's important. It's important. It's a remembrance of like, okay, this is who you are. And this is your connection to my people and to the story. And so... I'm going to remind you, and you're going to remind the people of who you are. And so uh, we said this last time, but you see the the quick lineage connection from Levi to Levi's second son, Kohath, mm-hmm. to then Kohath's son, Amram, who gives who is the dad to Aaron and Moses. Aaron is the older brother. And so all the heads of the Levite tribe are listed. So kind of um, coronating Moses as a legitimate prophet. Mm-hmm. to do this. And then he says, talk to Pharaoh, but first you talk to God, then you talk to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. So there's um, all these good connections. Yeah, and so Moses, again, is kind of trying to like say, like I I am unclean. I'm, I'm not the right person to do this. I'm full of sin. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. Right. And the Lord says, I'm going to make you look like God to Pharaoh. <laughs> like you are going to do things to like to Egypt, that is going to devastate them, and I will deliver my people. And uh, so then he he sets up like this is what you're gonna do. Did what? you see this verse in uh, chapter six, verse thirty? Moses said to the Lord, "I am an uns- I am a man of uncircumcised lips." Mm-hmm. I just think that's purposeful. Like, I, my lips, everything might be set apart, and I might be your people, but my mouth is not. I don't know how to speak well. Right. And, and he probably said it like, I, I, I don't know how to speak well. I mean, he obviously had some kind of impediment or something that freaked him out. Right. Uh, or he just realized the gravitas of what he had I to think do. He also he just realizes he's full of sin. Yeah. Like, he's a murderer. Which is a good place for, yeah, all leaders to begin. Yeah. So... He so the Lord says, "Look, I will be with you. Uh, you're gonna go out. You are going to go up to Pharaoh, and you're gonna prove yourself before uh, Pharaoh and 
your people with this miracle. You're going to recreate the miracle that we did, I showed you at Mount Horeb. Yeah, the snake. Mm-hmm. So we now have this... God toys with the Leviathan. Yes. So we have this scene where Moses is using the staff, and this staff is actually throughout the whole story of Exodus and in, into Numbers. Um, and it's, again, a, a way that we see God interact with his people through created means. And yeah. so we have the staff of Aaron. And so God says, cast your staff down, and it'll turn into a snake again. And it does. Now, this isn't something too amazing for the Egyptians because a practice among the Egyptians is they would take actual snakes and like hit pressure points on them to like make them rigid and paralyze the snakes so that the snakes, actual snakes, looked like staffs. And then they would throw the snakes down and the snakes would get unparalyzed and start moving around. So it would look like they turned a staff into a snake. So this is like an actual, like, so we see in the story, the magicians are like, uh, okay, we can do that too. And, and so they all throw down their snake staffs and they turn into snakes just like Moses's. But Moses's staff, the snake, eats all of theirs. That's so awesome. Which is awesome. And then Moses then picks it up by the tail and it turns back into a staff. As if a child toying with a deadly animal and, in fact, the deadly uh, force of evil. So now this is request number two. But did you remember... Okay, a friend of ours uh, taught us you can catch a little lizard. We have lizards all over Orlando in our houses and mm-hmm. around our houses. And you just turn it upside down and he goes, rockabye, baby. And, oh. and it makes their little brains yes. like shut down. So the, um, the lizards become paralyzed. Yes. It's like a trick. They become right. paralyzed. And then some people have dressed up the lizards and taken photos because <laughs> you have like three minutes where they're just like their brains are like frozen. Right. Anyway, it made me think of that. That's funny. But that's that's all the magicians have. Yeah, there's just like tricks and and if they are doing anything real, it's funded by Satan. It's funded by the devil. Yeah. And so we have now this is request two, and Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Like so, I just want that to be noticed for the first several requests. Pharaoh is refusing on his own. Um, yeah. And then so this is request number two. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen. And the Lord had warned them about this. So then the Lord says, okay, Pharaoh is refusing to listen. So you are going to take the source of all life in in Egypt, in this desert, and you are going to turn it into blood. So there's the first plague. Yes. The first plague is to turn all the the life-giving Nile into blood, it's also to show, you know, people worship these things, fertility and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And so um, you can actually follow through. I don't know if we'll do it and find the God, the correlating God mm-hmm. that they worshiped that's being humiliated. So the God of uh, like agricultural blessing and water is the source of all life. It's being humiliated by being made useless by turning to blood. Um, also, just showing God's power, like there's a death element to this. Yeah, because Pharaoh, when he first, when they first made their request, Pharaoh's like, "Who's the Lord? I don't know this God. I don't recognize this right. God." And so now God is going, "Oh, okay. I'm going to show you who I am. 
I'm above all your right. silly little gods. And I do feel like uh, God's giving Pharaoh a chance. He knows he's not going to necessarily listen, but he's still saying, I want him to know that uh, I want Egypt to know that I am. Mm-hmm. I am the God. I am. I, I am that I am. Right. And so, uh, yeah. So, so we that's yeah. where we start off. So we have all water in Egypt that was from the Nile. Like so, whether they bottled it or whatever, is turned to blood. And then they even have to dig new wells for new water. And then, but the magicians are able to recreate this miracle as yeah. well, and they do it. And so Pharaoh's like, whatever, no big deal. It's just a trick. And so, although people did start digging beside, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so they had to dig for new water because they're out of water for show, set for yeah. a week. For a week, yeah. We and must. all the all the uh, fish are dying, so the land just reeks now. It's gross. Uh, yeah, so that's gross. And so then here's the pattern. Uh, Pharaoh says, "Stop! Can you stop this?" Oh, it, he doesn't do this yet. Oh, he doesn't. No, he he's just hard hearted for this. Seven full days passed after the Lord. Has oh, struck so they the had to live with it for seven days. Yeah, and then the they, next one is frogs. Mm-hmm. And so frogs um, were a what were they? Uh, a so god of some kind of fertility. fertility. Yeah. So it was a goddess of fertility, uh, Hect, and I think H E Q T. Yeah. Uh, so it, they worshipped this goddess who looked like a frog, which is fertile. Like frogs are fertile. They live in the Nile source of life and now there's there's frogs everywhere this plague again mocking their god it's a plague does does pharaoh ask this one to stop or does it go seven days no it's this one um because these frogs are just everywhere in the palace you know everyone's homes they're they're underfoot they're just everywhere oh and moses does say to pharaoh you know what? Be pleased. You tell me when you want me to plead for you to God. Yeah, so this is where Pharaoh comes out and he's like, okay, uh, can you... I'll, I'll let your people go and sacrifice to the Lord if you will stop this plague. And then he says, uh, yeah, and then Moses says, all right, I'll stop it tomorrow, but uh, know that there's no one like the Lord our God. Yeah, and so the way he stops this one is the frogs all just die. They don't go back into the Nile. <laughs> They actually just die where they are. And so it says the whole land reeked. It stank because there's just they're heaping piles of dead frogs. Okay. So so what we're noticing is the progression for Pharaoh is he's still um, open. He should be open. Yeah. God is not hardening his heart. He right. is choosing. So there's sin. Then there's oppression. Then there's repentance and deliverance. Right. And so sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance is kind of the cycle of... Of Pharaoh, and you start to see that, but he's so in this one, he just basically negotiates. Like, I'll let you go if you stop it. And he lies. And then he stops it, Moses stops it, and then Pharaoh's like, oh, it's over? Cool. Never mind. You guys aren't going. As soon as it's gone, he changes. So then the third one. Oh, and I think the magicians were able to actually recreate this one as well. Okay, okay. So now we get to the third one. And he takes his staff, strikes the dust of the earth, and it becomes gnats. And so these gnats 
get in all the land, and the magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, produce gnats, but they could not. So already the third plague, the magicians are kind of out of gas. Yeah, they're thwarted by this, and they're like, this is the finger of God. Yeah, they claim straight up the finger of God. So now the magicians are going, okay, Pharaoh, um, this is tough. But Pharaoh, his heart was hard, and he would not listen. And I do want to clarify, because like, I'm always like, gnats, I mean, that's not too annoying, but I do remember, I grew up, uh, in New Hampshire for a hot second. Wow. And there was these things called noceums. We have them here sometimes. And they would bite and sting and yes. hurt so bad. Like, I remember my, we would be, all the kids would be out at recess and my teachers would be like in like full body, like, n- like nets. Yeah. As they would sit out and watch us to keep the noceums from stinging them. Yeah, because they sting, they get inside your nose and your eyes. and So this is a pretty bad one, but Pharaoh's not really negotiating this one. He's just like, whatever. And then the fourth plague, rise up early in the morning, present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your mm-hmm. people and into your houses. Now this is where the Lord yes. starts to set apart his people and says, I will send these swarms of flies out, but they will not affect the land of Goshen. Right. So now he's starting to show like, I can protect my people, Pharaoh. Can, can you? Yeah, you can't protect yours. That's so great. And so, um, and flies again, flies and beetles were uh, venerated by the Egyptians. So this is a, again, another attack on or a mockery of their gods. A mock- yeah, and, and what the Bible references is people worship created things instead mm-hmm. of the creator. Right. So God's using the created things that they gave power to and saying they're powerless under the creative God. But this is where uh, Pharaoh starts to negotiate mm-hmm. even more, and he says, look, um, why don't you just worship here in the land? Yeah. Like, okay. That's, that's a compromise. Just stay in Egypt and like do Like, you want to worship your God? Cool. You can do it here. But it's a trick because, and Moses knows it's a trick and says, man, if we stay here, mobs of people will rise up and kill us because the way we worship is blasphemy to the way you worship. You don't touch these animals. We're killing these mm-hmm. animals. Like, we're killing your gods in a lot of ways. And so yeah. it doesn't matter what you say, Pharaoh, the people would rise up and destroy us. So no, we're not going to just worship here in Egypt. Which was... Like, there was a legal precedent that the Egyptians could, without uh, Pharaoh's authority, if they saw any blasphemous actions taking place, they could rise up and kill or stone yeah. anyone who did that. So, no thanks. The flies destroy things. They're hurting people. Um, but Moses still knows. Like, so Moses still says, like, but I will pray for you on your behalf. Yeah. So, does Pharaoh ask for forgiveness here? No, he just, he says, just asks. Please pray. Yes. Please be a mediator between... Yeah, he says, plead for me. Mm-hmm. Which, again, man, it's putting the role of Jesus Christ as prophet, priest, and king. Right. Like, he pleads on our behalf. He intercedes for us. This is how it goes. And so they intercede. It stops. And then they do the thing again. They say, uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. We used to sing that song Pharaoh, in youth group. Pharaoh. Yeah, it's like to oh. Louis, Louis, Louis. Pharaoh, yeah. Pharaoh, oh, baby, let my people go, go free. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and then so you tell good. the whole story, yeah. Um, so he says, let's do this whole thing again. And this time, it's Egyptian livestock die. And again... Yeah, anything out in the field. And 
and God actually gives them yeah. a way out on this one, and he says, if you bring your livestock in from the field, they won't die. Do you know who probably brought their stuff in? The magicians and their families. Oh, yeah. Because those guys recognize. So there are people in Egypt recognizing their God is powerful. And so God has mercy. Yeah. And God's being gracious and saying, look, if you believe this, bring your stuff in because I'm about to... Um, I'm about to send out a... Uh, this is actually where we get the term plague for all uh, of them. They, uh, this is the first time it's used because he sends out an infectious disease, a plague among all the livestock in the fields. Right. And, uh, and none of Israel's died. Yeah. All of theirs died that were out and in the field. Anything out in the field dies. Israel, again, is set apart. Pharaoh even has people go out and investigate, and it's true. Um, Pharaoh is just in the middle of, he sins, he feels oppression, he regrets that, and then he cries out for deliverance, and then immediately sins, because he thinks he's pulling the wool over the eyes of Moses and Aaron. Like, yeah. uh-huh, I'm using them to stop these things. He's manipulating. He and... doesn't realize, like, what he's doing. Yeah, so then we get... Uh, okay, so this is... The boils. This is the sixth plague. Now, this is the... So we've had seven previous requests, right? actually, because it was the first time where there was no miracles. He just made his thing we announced. He turned the, the staff into a snake. Then he turned the staff into the snake. That okay. was the second time. And then we've had five, five plagues okay. since then. So there's seven times, and there's been seven refusals. Complete ref- like refusal from uh, Pharaoh. Now we are on the sixth plague, which is boils. Which is the seventh request. Which is the this is uh, eighth request. Okay. This is the eighth request. Okay. Um, and it's cool because so the uh, it says take handfuls of soot from the kiln, and the kiln was where they would bake their bricks. So. It's the sign of Israel's oppression. Oh. So this is where they would work and slave over the kiln. Nice. And so now they're taking the symbol of Israel's oppression, and he's blowing the dust, the, the ash, into the air, and it becomes a fine dust that goes across all of Egypt and turns into boils on everyone's skin. Except for the Israelites. Except for the Israelites. That's amazing. Yes. On any man and beast... In the land of so Egypt. So boils break out in sores on man and beast, and the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. So now it's affecting even their attempts of faking it. They can't even stand because they got boils. Yeah, they can't even be in the presence of Moses. But to your point, this is where something happens between God and Pharaoh. Yes. So now, so think of it this way too. God is proving himself over all the gods of Egypt. Yeah. One of those gods is Pharaoh. Pharaoh uh, yeah. was had like had a claim to divinity. And so Pharaoh was a god, considered a god himself. Nice. And yeah, so you're right. So the Lord, so now it says before it was Her- Pharaoh was hardening, hardening his own heart, but yeah. now after seven refusals, yeah. we get the Lord coming in and going, I'm going to show you how much control I have. Yes, and it makes me think of uh, the days of creation, mm-hmm. and you have uh, sixth day was the last day of creation, seventh day he rested, uh, Christ is resurrected on the eighth day, Yeah, and so the reign of Christ has begun, everything begins on the eighth day, you circumcise the baby on the eighth mm-hmm. day, the dove 
comes back with an olive branch on the eighth day, the new creation begins, and there is no room for the rule of Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. And so you've had your chances, you've refused, and now the Lord's hardening your heart because he's going to reign. Yeah, so now we see the Lord rob free will from Pharaoh, who is a god of Egypt. And he's given it up. And he had a a chance. He had had seven chances, at least. In God's grace. So from here on out, it's like the Lord hardened his heart. Yes. Uh, I just, yeah, it it was an interesting thing. I never noticed before reading through it. I just kind of assumed God was hardening his heart throughout the whole thing. That's how I've always heard it. But reading it this time, I realized, oh, it's not until this moment that he does. And so we have boils, and then we have hail. Um, And so we have hail, and it says um, thunder. And whenever they say fire rain down from the sky, uh, it's usually assumed to be lightning. It's just they didn't have that word for it, so they would just say lightning or fire from the sky. Um, But yeah, so we have giant things of hail, and now it's destroying any, any remaining animals... It's man, beast, earth, earth, like broken trees. Yeah. But it does say, you see the grace of God here where he says, whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh were allowed to hurry their livestock and their slaves into houses. But whoever mm-hmm. did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and livestock in the field, and they're destroyed. Yes. So, so again, now we're starting to see servants actually respond like servants of pharaoh yeah. respond to this and go uh we're gonna take these threats seriously because uh he's six for six right now <laughs> and i mean and nine chapters in we're just seeing the folly of pharaoh yeah pharaoh's folly spelled with a ph i mean it's crazy pharaoh's follies yeah um it's a new vhs cassette pharaoh's follies <laughs> and his inability to protect his own people he cannot be god over his own people and they're looking at these people going they're safe their god says this their god is better than Mm -hmm. our god who is pharaoh so at the end of this one or during this one this is when pharaoh starts to admit partial guilt yeah he finally starts to break a little bit so he he says this time i have sinned okay i've sinned against you this time um the Lord is in the right, and I'm in the wrong. Plead with the Lord and take it all away, and then uh, I will let you go. Uh, and Moses is like, okay, I will go out of the city, and I will stretch out my hand, and everything will stop. And, But I actually know that you do not fear the Lord yet. Yeah. And, and again, I think he knows because Pharaoh's only admitting guilt for this time. He's not able to say, I've been wrong this whole time. I've cheated you. He's still only partial. He's not like only admitting partial guilt. Does he, uh, in this, after this plague of hail, does he make a try to negotiate like who can leave or he doesn't no. do that here. That's the next one. Locust. Mm-hmm. Where, um, yeah. So it ceases. Yeah. He actually, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart on this one. And, uh, and then we have now locusts. So this plague of hail destroyed a lot of their crops. All the crops. But there were some crops that hadn't budded yet. Yeah. So so there's still a chance. So this is like a, for mercy. A, an amazing like destruction of agriculture. Right. And then now we have locusts. And locusts are even more devastating. Like, if, like they will eat everything. Any green thing, they will just devour. 
And so he goes before Moses, or he goes before Pharaoh and says, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may serve me. Um, for if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I'll bring locusts into your country. And I, I really like, though, in chapter 10, where he says, you're going to tell your grandkids about this. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to remember in Egypt what the God of Israel did. Yes. So get ready. So, and, and then that's what's funny enough is Pharaoh then uses that. Like, well, maybe I'll let you go, but keep your women and children here. Yeah, so th- this is where we even see his own servants, Pharaoh's own servants, are starting to go, M- Pharaoh, can't you see... What do they say? They say, um, "Let the me- uh, how long will you let this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Right. <laughs> we are on plague seven. Egypt is economically ruined. Let these people go. And, and yet Pharaoh thinks he's a god and says, I'll let the men go. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and that's when they say, is that right? Yeah. And, and then that's when Moses has to say, uh, why would we allow you to hold our women and children hostage Yes. while we leave them? No, that's not the deal. The deal is what the Lord says. We don't negotiate with mm-hmm. what God says. Um, but, you know, we have a tendency when we make ourselves God and make ourselves mm-hmm. uh like Pharaoh, we make ourselves kind of the final authority on what's right and wrong, and we tend to negotiate with God, even though God's been very clear. Yes. It's funny how that happens. But Pharaoh says, I've sinned. Please no. plead with God uh, to forgive on. me. No, no, no. You're jumping. Oh, it's not locusts? No, I mean, it is, but you're jumping because he, they say, Moses says, I've, like, we got to take everyone. And then he says, the Lord's really going to have to be with you if I ever let you take your little ones with you. So then Moses leaves, and he's like, fine. And there's an east wind that blows all day and all night, and the next day there's locusts everywhere eating everything. Whatever's left. And now we have Pharaoh. I jumped ahead. Pharaoh goes, Moses, come back. (laughs) Yes. And now Pharaoh says, I have sinned against the Lord and against you. Therefore, forgive me my sin. Please, only this once, and plead with me, the Lord your God, only to remove this death from me. Because he recognizes the real plight they're in now. Because now all their resources of, like, vegetation is well, destroyed. He, he's slowly stripping all of Pharaoh's power as yeah. God and his realm. Yeah. These are the things where he protected and blessed his people, and they've been exposed. And, um, and then there's a... So then Moses prays. There's a west wind, and it throws all the locusts and drowns them in the Red Sea, which is an interesting foreshadowing. Yeah. Because locusts are often considered an army. Right. And a marching army that eats and consumes everything. And this army of locusts is being drowned in the Red Sea. Beautiful. As that kind of hints to what might happen next if things get crazier. If you know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, so we get to... Plague number nine, and this will be our last one for mm-hmm. today, and it's darkness, which I think is amazing. Yeah, it's is it three days. It's darkness, but three what's, days. And so you you know, pre electricity, uh-huh. you need you know as soon as the sun cracks, you out there working. You can work and do things. 
And so it's pretty great that there's just darkness all day and night. And then you have the people of God shining as lights. Yeah. But yeah, so the people of God in Goshen, they are actually, they have light. Um, and I mean, the one God that I think most of us would be familiar with out of Egyptian mythology is Ra, which is the sun God. Yeah, yes. And this is a direct attack against him. And so he takes the sun from them, the light of the sun from them. That it's is amazing. nuts. Yeah. And somehow Goshen still has sun. Uh, so this is amazing. And so all they can do is sit in silence. And not work. Again, and, not do anything that they need for to For three days. And then Pharaoh calls Moses. He says, go serve the Lord. Your little ones may go with you, but your flocks and your herds have to remain behind. And Moses again says, look, we got to bring everything. We have to offer sacrifices, and we won't know what to offer until we get out there. So then Pharaoh then flips again on Moses and says, Get away from me. Take care to never see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. Which is which is a funny interaction because they're probably doing this in complete pitch black, so they can't see each other's face anyways. Oh, yeah. Well, I know at the end of it, we were in... Uh when we were coming out of Death Valley out in California, back oh, yeah. to Nevada, uh-huh. you see uh, at nighttime, you're in the middle of nowhere, it's pitch dark, and then all of a sudden you round a corner and you see Las Vegas uh, like 25 miles away off in the, in the distance. Mm. And it's just like this light in the darkness. And I'm just thinking of that where uh, the people of Egypt are looking at the people of God seeing all the lights on yeah. and all the light and just going... Why can't we be like them? Oh, because you have the false god of Pharaoh yeah. and all his little gods. And he can't save you. And the real god is crying out to you. He's giving you opportunity. Bow and worship him. Well, I think the cool things uh, from that, the themes that we found and will continue to find is God's grace with Pharaoh. Yeah. And giving him opportunity. And the people. And the people. That God is slow to anger and he's full of grace. And even in the plagues, which at first blush, you think, why is God so mean? Um, but when you really read it, you realize God's being gracious. And it's the Egyptians who are killing babies and mm-hmm. enslaving people. They're the mean ones. Mm-hmm. And if you identify with them, then you might be on the wrong... If you identify with the Egyptians, you might be too comfortable with the power you currently have. We should be identifying with Israel mm-hmm. who's being persecuted for no good reason. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's pretty great. All right. Let's go to our New Testament reading today, which is found in... Matthew chapter 26, verse 47, through chapter 27, verse 10. So last episode, we had Jesus praying in the garden. Yeah. Um, His very human cry for uh, comfort and uh, consolation in the face of his impending death. Yeah. And so uh, today... We start in... The betrayal and arrest. So there's a kangaroo court, right? Yeah, so we start with, um, he ends his prayer. He tells his sleeping disciples. Oh, right. Um, Rise up and let's be going. See my betrayers at hand. And Judas came 
He shows up with a great crowd of people with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders. So the idea is these were henchmen or Roman guards or temple guards. Um, And Judas has this whole thing worked out with him. Like, if I'm going to go up because it's dark. Again, remember, I think we always think, like, wait, how, how are we... Why does he need to have this whole sign and signal? Like, I think we forget that there's no electricity and when nightfall comes, things get really dark. Yeah, and, they just get dark. And you have to be a little familiar with the layout of things. And this place is a place that they would commonly go to prayer and Judas would be very familiar with this. You know, and Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. Mm-hmm. And I, don't let that get lost. That's how we betray Jesus. I very rarely see people betray Jesus angrily, you know, or like, oh, I'm against Jesus. They always do it with a kiss. Mm-hmm. They always say, you know, I'm just going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, God says, don't lie, but I got to lie this time. Kiss. God says, wait for marriage. Uh, I'm just going to do it like this time. Kiss. God says, you know, don't gossip and don't talk about people. But I got to say it. It's just true. Kiss. Yeah. Don't let that get lost. We always betray Jesus with a kiss. We think we're doing what's best for him and for ourselves. And the truth is, we're turning loose a mob on our Savior. And so they come at him, and you're right. And he says, why did you guys, I was with you every day. Yeah. Why do now you, you do that? it? Yeah. And, he, and Jesus knows it's because the scripture needs to be fulfilled. Yeah. So we have a, uh, in this, in Matthew's account, it's an unnamed disciple, but we, from other accounts, know it's Peter. Yeah. He grabs a sword and tries to defend Jesus. Oh, that's right. And cuts the ear off of one of uh, the high priest's servants. Yeah. And Jesus is like, whoa, put back your sword. Um, I, I could appeal to my father at any time to protect me, and I'm, I'm giving my life up now. See, I think Matthew records this because he's writing to a Jewish audience, and their expectation, the Pharisaical expectation, is a warrior king like David. Mm-hmm. And so why doesn't he take the throne by sword? And so uh, not every gospel records this um, incident by Peter, who is not a soldier at all. He misses. He's trying to cut off the head. Yeah. He's not like super skilled and cutting off ears. He's trying to cut off the head and misses and hits an ear. And Jesus just looks at him and is like, what are you doing, man? Right. Like... This is not a surprise to me. I've been telling you this was going to happen. We're fulfilling scripture. And by the way, I had 12 legion. Yeah. How many people are in a legion? Like a thousand or something? Yeah. Um, 12 legion of angels waiting. To, if we want to do this, if we're going to live by the sword, we're going to die by the sword, but we're not doing that. We're doing something much greater. And so then he does he, uh, he well, has to heal the ear, right? Yeah, but that's not in this account. Oh, that's in like yeah. maybe Mark's account. Yeah, so... We have then this quick little line, then all the disciples fled, uh, left him and fled. Right. They, we scattered, man. So in the moment of real consequences yeah. of your leaders being arrested, <laughs> thugs with swords and clubs are surrounding it's like, you. It's Kill the beast. And Think of beauty scatter. And the yeah. And the best the, the we can do. The first instinct is get out. Save yourself. Save yourself. And Peter, gave like, it, he gave it one good shot. shot. 
and he then, tried to cut off and a head. Jesus rebukes him and is like, "Whoa!" Well, he's humiliated. He yeah. probably thought Jesus was going to say, "Peter, you totally missed, man. <laughs> like all you've done is agitate. Now we're in trouble." But Peter's like totally, thoroughly embarrassed mm-hmm. and completely um, revealing his weakness in every single way. So they run away, and this is where uh, they now start before Caiaphas and the council. Mm-hmm. Now this is the high priest. So yes. we're going, they seized him and led him to, so the Jewish leadership is going to try him first. And yeah. then they're going to turn him over to the Roman leadership. But it's, so in this, this one, it's not, it's done in the middle of the night. It's mm-hmm. not legit. Mm-hmm. You know, there typically there'd be more order to it, but they want to get it done before. Yeah. Before, schedule. before the crowd, the, before the general populace yeah. figures out what is going on. They're, they would love to have this wrapped up before the morning. Yeah. And so uh, they try to get witnesses in the middle of the night. People aren't coming forward and saying, they're saying a bunch of crazy things. But the only thing that two people show up, because you need two or more to witness something, right? Yes. Yeah. So you have to have two people who are able to say the same thing. And it says at last two came forward and they both agreed that he said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and mm-hmm. to rebuild it in three days. And so that's when the high priest said, all right, what do you say for that, Jesus? And he just remained silent. And then he says, you must, by the, the I jure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. So they're trying to lure him into saying he mm-hmm. is divine, mm-hmm. the son of God. And Jesus then responds, um, I think it's such a brilliant answer. He's like, whatever you say, boss. Yeah, he says. Or he says, you've said it. Yeah. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And that's when they lose it. They're like, because Jesus said, that's right. That's he right. didn't just say, I am the Son of God. He goes, you're going to see me on the throne with the right hand of power. And coming of on the clouds of heaven. So, Judgment. Well, I mean, it is a cool thing. There is like this amazing juxtaposition of Jesus, like his initial uh, arrival to Jerusalem right. on a donkey, and then one day he'll come back on a war horse. Yeah. Well, he comes in his human nature, yeah. and he comes back in his divine nature again. And so as a result, the high priest, they tear their robes. They say, this is blasphemy. No one can say they are God. Mm-hmm. And we don't need any more witnesses. And so now this is when it opens up all the violence. And it's funny how when people get so upset they resort to acting like children they spit in his face they hit him they slapped him and then uh, they mock him by saying tell it prophesy to us christ who hit you mm-hmm. you know it's so violent and so um childish yeah and again i think the idea is this is the temple guards like this is the levites who are supposed to be protecting mm-hmm. the things of god yeah and they can't recognize him because and they cannot even recognize so God when he shows up. Because they're so focused on what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's more, why they kill him. And more caught up in the cause than right. the reason. The cause and the reason. And the law than the gospel. They don't know how to receive. All they know how to do is do. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is confusing them. Because what are we supposed to do? Yeah, You're saying do nothing. But that's the surest way to die. And so they mock him. And meanwhile, you got Peter now who has scattered. But he comes back. And he's on the outside. Yeah, so they would, they're meeting in a house, and so they have like these courtyards outside that are kind of sort of open up to the public. And so you can come in and like 
it's nighttime, you sit by a fire and, like, warm yourself or have a bite to eat or something, like, with the guards and servants. And so that's where Peter's chilling, trying to hear what's going on inside. Right. And, uh, and I think it's funny, they recognize him, and then they recognize his voice, because he talks like a, a Galilean. Yeah. Like, so he has the accent. You, you're from the north, man. Like, we know what the north sounds like. Yeah, so imagine Peter's out there going, like, uh, they're like, aren't you a, a follower of Jesus? And he's like, no, man, I never, I never drove in his car. <laughs> I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. He's talking like Cliff Clavin. <laughs> From uh, Cheers, he's totally got the northern Galilean accent. Yeah. It's so obvious. It's like, man, you're in Florida and you're talking like a Boston guy. We know what the north sounds like. Yeah. And, and he's like, no. And he swears. He says he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. I mean, broken down completely mm-hmm. to where he says, I don't even know the man. And then, cock-a-doodle-doo. And Peter, yeah. Peter is uh, devastated. Yes, so we see Peter's betrayal here, like complete betrayal. Like it yeah. is not any less than Judas. Well, then because Matthew and and he, and then he breaks down and weeps and runs away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Matthew gives us what happens to Judas because now the chief priests and the elders took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him and led him away to be delivered over to Pilate, the governor. Mm-hmm. So now it's I don't know if it's it's morning. The rooster is crowed. Yep. And so people are waking up and they're going to see Jesus bound up, having been already tried by the Jewish leadership. And I mean, I think it might be a safe assumption to realize that Judas was probably in the room with them. Well, Judas then, at any, he sees now. He what was they're probably intending. with them the whole time. He led them there yeah. and he probably went back. And he's going, and Judas now is saying, oh, I didn't mean for them to kill Jesus. I just right. didn't like his. I didn't like his plan anymore. He was not caring for the poor. And he was yeah. saying all this weird stuff. I didn't like it. And then Judas saw this, um, and he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. So Judas is a real rule follower. Yeah. He's trying to follow the law, so he's trying to replace. Uh, and this is what's going to kill Judas, is that he can never bring faith to his repentance. Yeah. He can never bring the faith that he can be forgiven. He can only be under the law. And guess what the law did to him? It they condemns said, him. They said, we don't want your blood money. Yeah. And so he throws the 30 pieces of silver on the floor and then goes and hangs himself. Yeah. So they say, he says, I have sinned. He comes to the, the again, this is, these are the priests. Regret, yeah. These are the priests. These are the people you go to for forgiveness. Yeah. And he goes to them and says, I've sinned. And they say, what is that to us? Yeah. See to it yourself. Save yourself, Judas. Wow. We are saving ourselves here by dealing with this Jesus issue. Yeah. You now go and save yourself. Don't come to us for forgiveness. We've got nothing for you. Which is what they'll scream at Jesus when he's on the cross. Save yourself, Jesus. Save yourself. Man, that's good. And then... I mean, it's sad, but good. And then that's what Judas does. And so Judas does the only thing he can do in his own strength. He commits suicide. And by the way, that's what the law would require after a betrayal like this. Yes, would would be a death. And so Judas actually applies the law to himself. And so they use the money that's left on the floor of the temple to buy a, um, a basically a burial spot. Yeah. In the field of blood, because it was for Gentile, you could use blood and blood money 
corrupt money to for unclean things to bury uh, unclean people and things. So that's where we leave off, and uh, we'll have to, it's like a cliffhanger. What happens to Peter? Right. So Judas has just killed himself. Jesus is uh, being delivered to Pilate now, mm-hmm. which is important. Remember, Jerusalem is an occupied territory. So for the people, they feel like, wow, we just judged this guy according to our law. Now we turn him over to the real law, and they have the power to kill. Mm-hmm. We have the power to tell and turn them over. So um, that's where we are in the narrative in Matthew chapter 26 and 27. We'll pick it up tomorrow. But let's move on. Yeah. Let's go to uh, Psalm 19, a beautiful psalm about creation. Uh, But before we go there, we read part of Psalm 20 as well. And um, and it's just a great verse, Psalm 20, chapter 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I've always liked that verse because uh, we have a choice every day. We wake up and we can trust in chariots and horses and our money and our our strength, our health, our good looks, our whatever. Um, but the children of God trust in the name of the Lord our God because the name of our God, he mediates for us. He intercedes for us. He provides for us. And then we know him through the word. Mm-hmm. Matt's going to read chapter 19. Verse 7 through the end. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.